I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles. And this is your weekly update. It's Monday, July 3rd. Happy 4th, people. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Okay, so once again, happy 4th of July weekend, y'all. It is marvelous. I have Monday off. If you are not one of those lucky few, I am here for you. I will still do the blog today because um, it is not a girlfriend's guide off day, but it is for my regular work. So made it super nice this week. And as always, at the beginning of a new month, we have coming up this month. So coming up this month, Tour de France started on July 1st and will run through the 23rd, ending on the Champs-Élysées in Paris, as always. Also, Wimbledon started today, July 3rd through the 16th. Track and Field U.S. Nationals will be July 6th through the 9th. That will determine who will compete for the red, white, and blue at Worlds. The Women's World Cup will take place July 10th through the, actually August 20th, so it will run over a month long. The MLB All-Star Game will be on the 11th. Swimming Worlds, which will take place in Japan, will begin July 14th through the 30th. In golf, the Open Championship, a.k.a. the British Open, is July 20th through the 23rd. And then we also have the World Archery Competition from the 31st of July through August 6th. Starting off with some baseball, what happened this week? Let's go over some quick highlights. We only had a few games on Monday, which in itself is a little odd. But on Tuesday, the 2020 Seventh draft pick, Nick Gonzalez, had a great home debut for the Pirates with a home run and a triple as they beat the Padres 9-4. to The Giants are playing well, winning 3 to nothing over the Blue Jays to win their 13th in the last 15 games. They would then lose the next two in this and the series, though. 
Same held true for when they played the struggling Mets. They also went one to two in that series. So even though they had been playing well, the Giants kind of slipped this week. The Marlins had 19 hits in their 10 to one win over the Red Sox. Kershaw had a no hitter into the sixth inning. And then Martinez hit his 300th home run to put the Dodgers up five to nothing on the Rockies. Otani became the first American League pitcher in just under 60 years to homer twice and card 10 strikeouts in their 4-1 to win over the White Sox on Tuesday. The Nationals took a long game 7-4 to over the Mariners that went into the 11th inning. The Blue Jays got things rolling fast on Wednesday, hitting four doubles in just a five-run first inning. Inning. Yes, I said a five run, four double first inning. Needless to say, they won and they hit six to one over, hey, look, the Giants. Rangers pitcher Dane Dunning was one out away from a shutout, but he gave up two runs right at the end. They did still get the W 10 to two and are still on pace to win the most games ever this season. On the flip side of that, the struggling Astros shut out the Cardinals 14 to nothing thanks to. Bergman's grand slam and a total of 18 hits in that game. Despite an unlikely steal of home, the Guardians lost to the Royals in the 10th on Thursday. Same sentiment, despite hitting an Angels record 14th home run in June, Otani could not guarantee the Angels a win as they drop one to the White Sox. The Mets have fallen to 10 games below .500 after this week. Yikes. On Friday, the Cubs broke their four-game skid with a W over the Guardians 10-1, and the Red Sox snapped their five-game skid with a 5-0 shutout over the Blue Jays. Rockies' Ezekiel Tovar hit a home run in their win over the Tigers 8-5. This extends his hitting streak to a career-high 13 games. It would be 15 by the end of the week. Again, despite Otani hitting his longest home run ever at 493 feet, the Angels again fall this time to the Diamondbacks 6-2. The Rays scored 15 unanswered runs in their 5-4 win over the Mariners. The Rangers lost in the in-state rivalry first game, but won the second, as that was Ivaldi's 10th win, which is only the second pitcher to get that in the American League so far this season. The Padres lost six in a row before finally beating the Reds 12-5 on Saturday. A costly error in the 10th gives the A's the win over the Red Sox 7-6. to six. The Orioles snapped their four-game skid by beating the Twins 2-1, to one, and that also saved them from their first sweep of the season. The Braves won eight in a row, including sweeping both the Twins and the Mariners this week. It was unlikely, but the Royals beat the Dodgers on Sunday 9-1 to one to win their first series since May 17th. On the same note, the A's were one game short of that sweep against the White Sox as the White Sox won 8-7 on Sunday. And then this one deserved its own bullet story, whatever you want to call it. Yankees pitcher Domingo German has been in the majors for six years and has had the biggest day ever of his career on Wednesday. He pitched the 24th 
perfect game in Major League history over the A's. They won 11-0, to zero, and of course, the A's three errors always help. But it was the first perfect game since Mariners Hernandez did it in 2012. Funnily enough, there were three perfect games that season, and then there hasn't been one since. German has been through it in his career, though, serving a 10-game suspension about a month ago for an illegal sticky substance on the mound, and then an 81-game ban in 2020 for an alleged domestic violence incident. So he has come from a very rocky beginning to his career, or middle of his career, I guess you could say, to a killer perfect game. Also, we have the final story in the NCAA Baseball College World Series, as it took till Monday, but we did get a College World Series champion. Game one, you know, let's just recap it. It was low scoring, extra innings, battle of the wills, where LSU took the series lead. But Florida destroyed game two, winning in record fashion, 24 to four. However, There is a reason why you play three games because LSU took an early lead in game three and never gave it back, dominating the Gators 18 to four just one day after losing by 20. They come back to win by 14. This is LSU's seventh national championship in baseball, putting them only second behind USC for the most titles of any school. Their last national championship in baseball was 2000. And nine. So that concludes softball and baseball season. It was certainly a fun one. That's for sure. Number five, LSU takes it all. Moving along, I kind of wanted to go over some NBA news as shout out to Brian, my coworker. He kind of gave me kind of the down low, which I know I gave him a shout out last week, but he actually like gave me breakdowns of kind of the trade highlights from last week. So, and then also added in some extra ones that I didn't have. So we're going to go over those highlights right now because we know that Chris Paul was traded to the Wizards and then Bradley Beal went to the Suns. However, one thing that I didn't note last week, and this is why you should always have an expert in your um, different sports, because they actually waived the no trade clause to get that deal done. Only 10 players had this and all have been Hall of Famers so far. Okay, so then we know Chris Paul was then traded to the Golden State Warriors and Golden State traded Jordan Poole to Washington. And again, I love this little tidbit. Jordan Poole was the one that got punched by Draymond Green during training camp. I actually remember that. And I, again, am not a huge basketball person. A big trade highlight that I didn't actually cover is John Collins was traded from the Hawks to the Utah Jazz and then Rudy Gay was traded from the Jazz to the Hawks and according to my expert this could be kind of the start of an overhaul for the Hawks to get Trey Young, hey Boomasuna, some support because he is a one-man band right now for the Hawks and then obviously we know number one draft pick uh, Wimby went to the Spurs and he is only 13, one of 13 foreign players to ever have been drafted number one overall. And I love it because I actually got some insight onto who those 13, who some of those 13 are. Hakeem Olajuwon, Yao Ming, Tim Duncan, and Kyrie Irving, believe it or not. I didn't actually know that he was born in Australia, so didn't know that that actually counted. So those are some great names to be alongside. And again, just reiterates the anticipation of why it was such a big deal that he came along. Also, now this is new information this week. Harden is requesting a trade and looks like he may be landing in LA, 
but with the other team with the Clippers. That is still TBD as of right now. That's just a whole big rumor mill, and that is all swirling as of right now. However, Kyrie Irving is staying in Dallas as they signed a new three-year, $126 million contract. He is an eight-time All-Star and is hands down noted as one of the best guards to ever play the game, averaging 23.4 points per game. However, also comes with his off-court drama. Moving along to football news, as the USFL has a champion, and it is once again the Birmingham Stallions. So they took down the Pittsburgh Maulers 28-12 to this Saturday. This is their second championship in a row, and they ended the season with the best record, going 18-2 and in the regular season. We actually have quite a bit of football news this week because four NFL players have gotten punishment for gambling. Now, the biggest deal was Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers, defensive end Rashad Berry, and free agent defensive end Demetrius Taylor are indefinitely suspended, at least for this upcoming season, for literally betting on NFL games last season. Titans uh, offensive tackle Nicholas Petit Frere, which actually means little brother, which I love, is out for six games for betting on other sports. Now, what's even crazier is, look, betting on anything that you are involved in is a huge deal. That is a big time no-no as a lot of the time that's when you kind of get into this game fixing issues that we've had in the past in baseball, basketball. It has run rampant throughout the sports world historically. So looking just at cornerback Rogers' sportsbook account, there was more than 100 bets. They averaged about 25 to 50 bucks and even had one bet literally on the Colts on his own account. And the largest bet was $1,000. It was an over-under on rushing yards for the Colts running back, which hit. So obviously that is super shady. Also, get ready to see J.J. Watt back on TV. And no, don't get your hopes up, Houston Texan fans, as I know myself felt that way, but not on the field. He will be joining CBS as an analyst. Quick tidbits in the college sports world is Florida has started their $400 million redo of the swamp. I am talking they have started, as in they are literally putting in the very first step, like putting out bids for architects. So this is a long-term goal, but it has begun. And then also the NCAA D1 Council has proposed changes to the transfer portal that would take the number of days athletes can declare for the portal from 60 to 30. Now, there's been a lot of talk about how the transfer portal and redoing how it works because, frankly, it's been absolutely crazy. You have kids going from thinking they're going to be fifth, fourth string to now they're like the 80th quarterback in the transfer portal. So literally, to prove my point, a total of... 3,597 football players entered the transfer portal last year alone. And this could become final in the NCAA meeting. That won't happen until October, FYI. Moving along to golf news, and I am so happy because Ricky Fowler is back in the news for the first time in a long time with his first win since 2019. That is 96 starts without a W. For being one of the biggest names in golf, he had two chances this month alone, including one at the U.S. Open where his final round score was a 75, which made him tie for fifth. And then he got 13th place last week at the Travelers after his final round. So he had been so close over and over. He had actually had eight top tens this season. And so he was not going to let that happen again, though. 
Colin Morikawa did make a play for it, though, as he went through and had a near record tying final round of eight under par to tie Adam Hadwin and take the whole tournament to a playoff. Ricky actually birdied 18 to add himself to make it a three man playoff. And it was a wild playoff hole with Ricky hitting an errant shot, which literally went right of the fairway bunkers. But then his next shot landed 12 feet from the hole. Morikawa had a brilliant approach, but was mere inches off, which instead of going back towards the hole, the ball went into the rough. And then Hadman, Hadwin missed a 22-foot putt, all to open up the door for Ricky to birdie and win it in one playoff hole. So congratulations, Ricky Fowler, for taking a W for the first time in quite some time. And it was a very OSU-friendly time in the golf world this week as fellow OSU golfer Taylor Gooch won his third live event on Sunday in Spain. He beat Bryson DeChambeau with a 15-foot birdie putt on the 18th. DeChambeau started the round with one, the final round with a one-shot lead, which grew to two at one point. And, but Gooch was just too much and ended up beating him on 18. Gooch's other two victories were in Australia and Singapore, and his total winnings this season alone in the live events, which is just eight so far this year, total $13.4 million. He is the first golfer to win three on the live tour, as both Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka sit with two each. I do just want to kind of wrap up the hockey season since we did have the NHL draft this weekend. So the Blackhawks had first pick and they chose Connor Bedard, who is the most anticipated prospect since 2015. Sound familiar? Because it may also sound like the NBA with their draft picks. Moving along to Olympic news, and we have quite a bit of it as it was a exciting weekend in the pool as we had U.S. nationals to determine who will wear the red, white, and blue to represent Team USA at Worlds in Japan in this, actually this month. And in a huge, huge y'all upset, five-time Olympic gold medalist, like two years ago, five-time Olympic gold medalist, Caleb Dressel will not represent the United States at Worlds. He failed to qualify in all of his attempts. His best finish was third, which remember, we only take two in swimming. He got third in the 50 fly. While he is still coming back from a well-deserved break, we will certainly miss his dominance in Japan and miss seeing him in Team USA uniform. However, some names you might recognize, hometown favorite Lily King swept the breaststroke events. That means she got gold in the 50 meter, which is a non-Olympic event, the 100 meter and the 200 meter breaststroke. I say hometown favorite as U.S. Nationals and now Olympic trials is, well, U.S. Nationals were held in Indianapolis. She is an Indiana Hoosier, so that's why I say hometown favorite. Katie Ledecky got out-touched at the wall in the 200-meter freestyle by teenager Claire Weinstein. However, she did come back late, like earlier to win and later to win the 400-meter free. She also won the 800-meter free and, of course, the 1,500-meter free. So we will see her in all of those events as she either got first or, in the case of the 200, second. The 200-meter free is Katie Ledecky's least uh, 
is her like I guess lesser of the events that she is good at so not super surprising that she would falter in just the 200 meter versus some of those middle or long distance ones Sticking with long distance, Bobby Fink continued his dominance in the long distance as well, winning 1,500 meter free and the 800 meter free. Don't confuse him, though, with Nick Fink, as they are two different spellings of the Fink last name. Bobby has an E on the end, and Nick Fink does not. Nick Fink took the title in the 50 meter and the 100 meter breaststrokes. The women's 100-meter backstroke is stacked. According to Rowdy Gaines, the top six at U.S. Nationals would be most likely able to medal at Worlds, and the top 15 times ever have come from the United States. Reagan Smith took Nationals and was under world record pace at the first wall, but fell off the second half of the race. She took the 100-meter and the 200-meter back as well as the 200-meter fly, and then she also got second in the 50-meter back. So we will see plenty of Reagan Smith. And finally, ending with another name we all know and love, Ryan Murphy was back on top in the 200-meter back and then got second in the 100-meter backstroke to Hunter Armstrong. That has been a signature United States event for a very long time until the last Olympics. Newer names to watch out for, Kate Douglas had a great meet, winning the 100-meter freestyle and the 200-meter IM. She also got second in the 200-meter breaststroke, so she will compete in all three of those at Worlds. We also had an American record fall. It fell in the 50-meter fly. Again, this is a non-Olympic event by Gretchen Walsh with the third fastest performer ever with a time of 25-11. And she even had the slowest start off the block, so go figure. The world record is held by Sweden's Sarah Swarstrom. Walsh will also compete in the 50-free and the 100-meter fly. And then a newcomer that I had never heard of, Carson Foster, took the 200-meter fly, the 200-meter IM, and the 400-meter IM over names like Chase Kalish and Bobby Fink. All of that to say it was an awesome weekend in the pool, and we look forward to Worlds here in July. Also, the Tour de France began with the first two stages in Spain, but we have moved to France literally today at the end of stage three. Cavitas won the first state, their first stage in 15 years on Sunday when Victor Lefay broke away with after the first two stages in Spain. Lefay currently holds the green jersey, that is by points. Yates since sits in the lead with the yellow jersey or the Malogian, but only by six seconds over Parachka. Paulus is the climber jersey, and obviously Parachka is the youth category. No shocker there, as obviously he sits in second overall. New Zealand will have a woman competing in the 100-meter dash for the first time since the 1976 Montreal Olympics. Zoe Hobbs qualified with a PR of 1096 in the heats in Switzerland. She also won the final of that meet, but only in 1113. So basically, New Zealand has not had somebody hit that Olympic standard in almost 50 years. And then finally, sports are not a time to protest people, especially when you sit on the track in the middle of the grueling 400-meter hurdle race. So nice to say that no one was injured in that incident, but if you want to see that uh, replay, click on the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, go to the blog. 
Also this week, Wimbledon has begun, and Djokovic and Rabinka are last year's champs. We are just barely starting. We literally started first rounds today, so I will give a very in-depth update on that next week. Now let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week as most of us, if not all of us, have tomorrow off, if not today as well. And so in MLB, we have today the Angels at the Padres at 840 on Fox Sports 1. You can also catch another game of that series on Tuesday at 540 on TBS. Thursday, catch the Cardinals at the Marlins at 540 on Fox Sports 1. Friday, there's a couple games on Apple TV+. Plus. Saturday, the Reds at the Brewers at 310 on Fox Sports 1. The Brewers have been struggling lately. And then on Fox on Saturday, you can either get the Braves at the Rays or the Mariners at the Astros. That will be at 615. Wrapping up the week, the Rangers at the Nationals at 11.05 on Peacock. We have a couple of different golf events to watch this week on regular scheduled TV because the PGA Tour is at the John Deere Classic. Round one can be seen at four on Golf Channel, but also the LPGA Tour U.S. Women's Open will be at five on USA. On Friday, same exact thing. John Deere round two at four and U.S. Open for the women's um, at five on USA. Saturday, catch the live round and in London round two at one on the CW. This is obviously a taping as London is like eight hours in front of us around. So, um, and then the PGA tour, the John Deere classic third round will be at one on golf channel. And then I'll move over to CBS at two. Whereas the LPGA U S women's open will be at two on NBC. On Sunday, very similar. So the final round of the Live Tour event in London at 1 on CW, John Deere at 1 and 2 on Golf Channel and CBS, and then the final round of the LPGA U.S. Women's Open, which is a major, at 2 on NBC. July 4th may be our independence from the U.K., but on Sunday, catch Formula One, the British GP, at 9 a.m. on ESPN. And we've got a lot of Olympics on or Olympic sports on TV this week, as obviously the Tour de France is starting and is on every day at basically at 7 a.m. You can catch it on USA. So stage three, four, five, six, seven and eight will all be televised. Then on Friday, track and field U.S. Nationals Day 2 will be televised at 9 p.m. That is on CNBC. Day 3 will be on Saturday at 8 and then Day 4 at 8 on CNBC. That is on Sunday. Also this week, just hitting on a little bit of soccer as the CONCACAF comes to a close. Quarterfinals will be on Saturday. So obviously teams are TBD as we're still wrapping up other play right now. Quarterfinals will begin on Saturday at 6 on Fox Sports 1 and then 9, and that will be at Saturday and Sunday, wrapping up those quarterfinals with the final next week. And then in the tennis world, we obviously, like I said, we have Wimbledon starting today. You can catch that at 5 a.m. any morning on ESPN. So round one will be today and tomorrow, July 4th. Then July 5th and 6th is round two, again at 5 on ESPN. Round three will be Friday at 5 a.m. on ESPN. And then Saturday, catch round three at 5 a.m. on ESPN, but also it will play at noon on ABC. The round of 16 begins Sunday on the 9th. That will also be televised at 5 a.m. on ESPN and move over to ABC at noon. 
that wraps it up for me this week. Like I said, everyone have a marvelous 4th of July tomorrow and enjoy your Independence Day off. As always, for more stories and times, check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports for more. If you're so inclined, leave a rating as well on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. And I'll catch y'all next week.